and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time critics poll week by week and discuss what makes a great film great. I'm Hannah. I am Brian. And today's a special day. Today is a special day. Today on the podcast, we have Ben Vargas. We are Say hi, ben. excited to have you on, Ben. <laughs> Thank you. So Sorry. Ben, Sorry I ruined your uh, your week this week with this movie. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ben is a prominent member of film Twitter and is, we just learned, will be starting a movie podcast soon. So we're very yeah. excited to check that out when it releases. But it is great to have you on, Ben. Thank you. And what, what movie did you pick for this week, Ben? I picked Satan Tango by Bellatar. Mm. Half hour epic. Yeah, yes. I'm cut that seven and a half hours. Ben, did you sit down and do this all in one go, or did you break it up? No, I broke it up. Okay, we did. It took us four days to get through. Yeah, it. we did three chapters at a time, um, and did it four nights in a row. We started on Sunday so that we'd have because we were busy Friday night, but we wanted to plan in a skip day if like we needed time, but we powered through and so we were done by by Wednesday. It was great. And the chapters get a little bit shorter as you go. Um, So I think the last night was like an hour and 20 minutes. So it wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to do a plot summary and then we'll get into some initial thoughts on this movie. So, in Satan Tango, after the failure of a collective farm in rural Hungary, the villagers are planning to divide their remaining cash equally. Futaki, one of the villagers, overhears a plot for another two villagers, Mr. Schmidt and Mr. Craner, to keep the money for themselves, and Futaki convinces Mr. Schmidt to let him in on the plot. This plot, however, is interrupted by the news that Irameus, who is a charismatic villager who was presumed dead, will be coming back to town. While Iremius has been gone, he has been forced to work undercover for the authorities under threat of arrest. The town doctor leaves his home to buy fruit brandy, but collapses and is taken to the hospital. And while the villagers dance through the night at a local bar, Estica, a young girl, tortures and poisons a cat, then decides to end her own life through poisoning. Arriving just as the villagers are holding her funeral, Irameus convinces the villagers to give him all the money, leave town, and follow him to a nearby manor, where they will start a new collective farm. After the villagers spend the night at the manor, Irameus comes back and announces that they must part ways for a time until a time when the authorities are no longer paying attention to him. The villagers then scatter while the authorities file Irameus's devastating report on the villagers that reveals his low view of them. The doctor arrives back at the village after his hospital stay and travels to the local church where he finds a madman ringing a bell and shouting that the Turks are coming. Startled, the doctor goes back to his house and boards up his window. So, that is... A long plot summary, not as long as it could be, though, because there are long stretches Where nothing of this movie that are not not plot focused. Sure, that's a nice <laughs> necessarily. Story. Okay, okay. Before we get going, Ben, why this movie? 
I mean, I know Brian, you guys coordinated what to do. I'm sure he said, what movie do you want? And you mm -hmm. said Satan Tango. Why Satan Tango? <laughs> um, probably because I'm a sadist. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I've always been a fan of uh, slow cinema. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that with these kind of subject matters that it really plays well with, with the slow cinema um, yeah. genre. You know, I, I think that to really understand the plight of these people, you almost have to be like tortured yourself. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yes, yeah. I think I think Bella is definitely wanting his audience to be uncomfortable, to be perturbed. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. he this is not supposed to be enjoyable. Yeah. Well, mission accomplished. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so Hannah, what were your thoughts as we watched this okay, movie? Okay, so like the things that actually happen, I do think are interesting. I think the characters are interesting. I like how they plod and plod and plod. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Um, I think that, like you said, there's a lot of just really nice slow cinema shots someone walking for like five straight minutes a nice very long pan over the empty hills or fields or whatever um i may or may not have done a lot of 10 se second skip forwards by night two or three just to be like okay i get it let's move forward much so, to brian's chagrin it took you about a day though to tell me that you didn't like that i was doing that so whatever yeah um yeah i think that i i <laughs> I now that you gave that I that thought, Seth or mm -hmm. Ben, that you know he's trying to kind of give us a sense of struggle and a sense of discomfort mm -hmm. that might help us understand the plight of the characters a little bit more. Makes me appreciate that he did that to me more than I did, you know, ten minutes ago. Um, yeah, I think it was really good, and I also never want to see it again. <laughs> but I do appreciate it. And I think there is definitely discussion to come out of the character story. I just don't know that I got a ton out of mm -hmm. the the slowness of it, other than the discomfort that perhaps puts me in a better spot to understand mm -hmm. the characters. Yes. So I, uh, like you, Ben, love this movie. Um, I... Had never seen it before this, um, just because of scheduling issues and because I actually fell in love with uh, Bellatar after we started this podcast. And so I knew it was going to be coming up for the podcast. And so I what's, hadn't watched it yet. their other works? So he's done um, Workmeister Harmonies is my favorite of his. That. Okay. That's just incredible and shorter, shorter movies regular like six hours regular length okay <laughs> yeah regular length movie i think workmeister is like two hours 20 minutes okay um and he's uh, he's had a really good run i quite like damnation as well i think damnation is excellent um her in horse i didn't like as much as others just because it's so so bleak <laughs> it was like it's even more bleak than this if you can imagine wow. um and I really like Man from London as well, though the dubbing on that one is quite bad. It's like really distracting. Um, but other than that, it's it's a real shame the dubbing is so bad because the rest of what's going on in that movie is really good. Anyway, so I've 
discovered like most of his other work at this point and so was really excited to see what's sort of considered his masterpiece um and yeah i, I loved it but i do want to get into one of the things one of our goals uh with this podcast i think is to make it accessible make this list accessible maybe for people who don't love films and we've never had a greater challenge i'd say than yeah. this movie in terms of like if if a uh, uh, non-cinephile was coming to this like how, what what would you say to someone who has never seen a movie like this to like prepare them and get them in the right mindset so i've been thinking about this all week because i want i want to help others discover things like this and be able to enjoy them. And I was thinking you almost need to forget it's a movie. It's because we movies, I think for most people are meant to be a vehicle for entertainment. So we think of movies as, you know, uh, movies is going to the theaters for two hours to see bridesmaids and be entertained right and right. if you go into this movie expecting what most movies do you're already you know set up for failure it's more like so the mindset well hold on a second it's more like the mindset that you need if you were like to go to like the museum of modern art for a day you're gonna see a piece of art and i think if you start with i'm sitting down to be entertained uh rather than i'm sitting down to appreciate great art then it's gonna be real hard to get into this interesting I would recommend them watching Shoah. That's, That's also on the list. On the list, somehow longer than yeah. this. It's like eight and a half. So if they watch Shoah, then they'll be like, oh, this was a quick uh, little jump. <laughs> oh, fun. See, I yeah. think I'm going to like Shoah a little more, right? Because it's a documentary. It's a documentary, yeah. 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 So, I like yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great, but it's rough. It's not, I mean, it's the Holocaust, so it's not. Right, yeah. right. It's yeah. going to be a tough watch, but. I just like that basically to to paraphrase what you just said when you tell people to watch this movie say don't expect to be entertained <laughs> before you watch this movie I mean but we do all sorts of things that aren't primarily to be entertained yeah you know. yeah yeah I think it's a mindset because it's like you said most people watch movies for an escape mm -hmm. this is yeah. not the type of movie to watch for an escape so no, no um you know a lot of people ask me why i tended to be drawn to more depressing films and yeah. i think why is because it really helps put your life into perspective right like the annoyances that we have the first world problems that we have mm -hmm. are are very minute when when you look at people's lives like this you know what i mean yeah i mean they don't have cell phones or wi-fi <laughs> yeah but you're sitting in a cold mansion yeah depressed yeah the rain really got me that it was like the very wet season in hungary when this was all taking place and i'm just like 
you're just you're just walking up and down muddy streets between your house and the pub and your house and the pub and I mean it's yeah so and the amount of time you spend just like following someone walking and how spread out it is you know we we think of isolation as maybe like the doctor in his house where he just like never leaves but there's a different type of isolation of just like this incredible open space with very few people mm -hmm. i don't know it was interesting yeah um so let's talk about the slow cinema movement a bit so ben you mentioned that uh you're a fan of slow cinema here so um love to get your thoughts but really so we've got um Andrei Tarkovsky is a great Russian director who's earlier uh, than Bellatar, and he's thought of as really a pioneer of slow cinema. There have been a number of um, recent, I guess, Chantal Ackerman would I was also just going to say John Dielman, yeah. yeah. John Dielman is certainly slow cinema, and she's a bit earlier as well. And then there have been several uh, recent auteurs including Bellatar and Apichat Hong Weir Sathakul who we saw mm -hmm. Tropical Malady from. So this I think is our third slow cinema of the list. We haven't done any Tarkovsky yet but we've got some coming up here. So then uh, what's different about slow cinema and why does it resonate with you? Uh, I just think that it's the most accurate depiction of life. I mean, life is not exciting. Most of life is fairly boring and mundane and, you know, you're going through the motions and this kind of just shows, you know, the, the average person's day in a life of. It's not mm -hmm. story driven. It's more just, um, you know, the, a, just a depiction of, you know, somebody's life basically. And, and typically it's not, you know, somebody who has like this great life. It's usually somebody who's in a very, you know, depressing mm -hmm. type of uh, situation. Have you guys seen anything from Pedro Costa? No, no. He, his stuff is incredible, but <laughs> I guess trigger warning, his stuff is even more bleak than Bellatar. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend his stuff, but it might not be, uh, Hannah might not like it very much. All right. I will check it out on my own. <laughs> Being tortured. I definitely had to pass forward to that scene. Yeah. I couldn't, yeah, we, was, it's yeah. hard to watch. We will talk about that for sure. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. So, um, Ben, so if you have, you know, someone who's like wanting to maybe dip a toe into slow cinema but doesn't have seven seven and a half hours where would you say they start like who would be a good foray into slow cinema i would probably say work workmeister harmonies yeah. i mean probably the most accessible it's not super long and it's yeah very i mean all of his stuff is visually you know gorgeous so mm -hmm. um at the very least, it's going to be pretty to look at. So, okay. And you at least get the uh, the camera movement in Workmeister Harmonies that 
a lot of slow cinema is very static, but Bellatar's films are not. The camera's moving all over the place and doing some really interesting stuff. Um, another one, perhaps, to start with would be Goodbye Dragon Inn, just to like get a sense of the style of slow cinema. So Tar's stuff is a little bit different than other slow cinema directors. Um, he does very long takes, which is typical of slow cinema, but perhaps even longer than other slow cinema. There's a lot of camera movement in Tar's stuff, and it alternates between distance shots. He'll do like a pan to something very close up. He's moving it forward and backward, side to side. It's so interesting and alive. It It's something that, you know, Ben, you and I are on, on film Twitter and you see a lot of screenshots of movies and you just can't capture his stuff with that. He's doing something different than just a series of pictures. It's it's moving and and living almost. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely his camera work is definitely different than most slow cinema directors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I I found this quote uh about his use of the long take. So he says, "Early on I noticed that when the camera is moving and the whole scene is moving, Everyone starts to breathe in the same rhythm. The actors, the crew members, the cinematographer, everyone. You are all in. And that is very important. It creates a special tension. It gives a special vibration. Somehow you can feel it on the screen too. You become a part of it. So I think that's what he's getting to. He's trying to get you to like be there in this village. Like experience what life, what daily life would be like for these people. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I respond to it a lot, um, this way of doing things. So can we talk about the uh hats in this movie? Such good hats. We've got great hats yeah. in this movie. I feel like we were just saying every single one of the the men in this village all look like various just like super hipsters. Just the hats and the That's wool great. and the beards and the my favorite hat was Irameas's hat. Yeah, that was the white good the brimmed hat. fedora situation. Uh, Petrina's was my favorite. The the little he's got like a little button on. It's like a beanie with a little button on top, See, and I it think, just looks so goofy. I thought it looks like a Nazi helmet. It does sort of, but it's all uh, oh, it's all like fluffy and woven. Oh yeah, yeah cute yeah. little uh, fluffy woven Nazi helmet. Or Croner, Craner, Croner. His yeah, was pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wanted to like wrap myself up in like fresh wool blankets and mm -hmm. be warm for the whole movie. There was a hat where I'm so bad with character names. The no guy in, in the from the rain and he's talking about them coming back to the village and his like hat is like really thick brimmed. Mm -hmm. Like that was the superintendent or the Is that the plotting guy? I think it is. The guy who gets drunk and talks about plotting. Yeah. I think I think with the that beard. Guy. With a big beard, yeah. or well, there's a guy with the mustache that hits on oh, his mustache. Head. You can't even see his lips. Yeah, so that's mm -hmm. the superintendent. Yeah, uh, and his hat's 
His I've never seen a brim like that. It's like yeah. super super thick. I was like, I don't understand this. I know the hat game was just on point in this movie. Yeah, so you know, at at one point in college, I owned the sunglasses that Luke Wilson wears in the Royal Tenenbaums because I mm. thought they were the coolest thing ever, and that's probably the coolest thing I've ever owned. But if I were to purchase one of these hats. That might be even cooler, so. You have something pretty close to Croner's hat. Yeah? Yeah. My dad wears a lot of Irmias and superintendent type hats, but mm. I'm sure you could borrow one. Yeah. Yeah. So, great hat fashion. Yeah. Love a hat game. So, does more happen in this movie than in a typical movie? I... I, I you mean, oh, in a typical... Well, I mean, there's... Yeah. Seven so, like, a two-hour movie. Could you, if you took a razor blade to this film could you make like a two-hour cut that contains pretty much all of the plot oh yeah for sure i think you could i think you could we you know the the plot summary i did wasn't like noticeably that much longer than most of the movies that we do yeah so he's I do want to I want to get into like why is this movie this long which we've talked about a little bit I've got another quote from him from Mm -hmm. 2007 so this was you know years after this movie was made in 94 he says I despise stories (laughs) (laughs) which is great already he's just like this old curmudgeon I love him Uh, I I despise stories as they mislead people into believing that something has happened. In fact, nothing really happens as we flee from one condition to another. All that remains is time. This is probably the only thing that's still genuine. Time itself, the years, days, hours, minutes, and seconds. So that's sort of what you were talking about, Ben, of why slow cinema uh, resonates with you, because... It's true to how real life happens, which maybe day-to-day real life isn't the most entertaining thing, but it is, there's something true about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you had, I mean, if you had a camera that followed you around for a day Mm -hmm. and, you know, filmed seven and a half random hours of your life, there's going to be a lot of points where nothing really is going on. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like i think <clears throat> i think it's just again it's just focusing on the situations that these people are in mm-hmm. the drudgery of day-to-day life i mean every day they just exist there is no hope there's no excitement or very little i mean there's you know the trist and the dancing but outside yeah. of that it's the plotting. <laughs> the plotting. <laughs> that scene is uh, anyways. Um, but yeah, I just think that I think that especially I think American cinema goers are kind of spoiled. You know, they want exciting and mm-hmm. you know, like I've had friends who've seen the new Mission Impossible and they're like, oh, it's three hours and it's nonstop action. And it's like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it. I am actually a fan of the Mission Impossible series, but mm-hmm. that's not real life. And I, it's nice to have the escapism sometimes, but it's also, 
not realistic and it can make your own life feel kind of drab <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like there's like yeah, that i do i do think there's a place and i love movies that are entertaining i love like i i think that just because something is mainstream or popular doesn't necessarily like that that has no bearing on that should be a net positive we shouldn't be like oh that's popular i don't want it. there i'm i'm big against like exclusionism in cinephile circles uh one of my favorite movies is the princess bride you know i'm a big fan of spielberg stuff so i think you know doing doing something that has broad appeal should be considered as a plus not a minus however not every movie needs to do that and this movie is certainly not doing that so um yeah but i i, I think it's really interesting yeah what do you think Hannah? no thoughts i'm forgetting the prompt is this the one back can the movie be shorter yeah. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. one's good. Just making sure. Yeah. I think that um, most of the storylines, I mean, they all kind of coalesce into one, but most of the individual storylines can be cut down. Mm -hmm. But then you've got, like, with the doctor and the girl, I forgot her name. Yeah. There, yeah. so much of theirs is just kind of watching them exist by themselves to yeah. get an idea of who they are and what they. So I, I, I think live. Yeah. How they yeah. live. And so I think kind of, you know, Ben, what you were saying, if a camera followed you around for 24 hours, it'd be kind of boring. But with their storyline specifically, it definitely feels like um, we just kind of need to watch them. I mean, I don't want to watch anyone torture a cat, but mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to like. It's it's hard to use dialogue to explain that little girl's nihilism. Yeah, um, yeah you kind of have to just watch her yeah i don't know if that's a i, I don't know what her motivation was there i don't really want to but um okay we'll talk yeah we, we don't need to dive deep into the psyche on, of, on of, that of one a cat murder. Yeah. i i do think ben that what you were saying though about um the there's been a especially since i think since the 80s like every decade you have to one-up what the last, you know, last five years, last 10 years did to entertain. You have to include more action set pieces, more CGI, more, you know, you, more jokes per second. You got to be like quicker and quicker. And I don't know that that produces the best movies ultimately, but we all become accustomed to it and expecting it and so that's why something like this is so difficult to the average person yeah i feel I like in every movie i see now i expect a twist so we yeah. watch like persona and there wasn't a big twist at the end i was like wait a minute i've been so conditioned to expect a big twist yeah 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 i i think my i my the way that i go into movies i go in with I try and go in as blind as possible and with as little expectations as I can, because I think that it does change the way that you perceive a movie. You know, like I've been super excited about Barbie for 
almost two years. Yes, now. we have our tickets. Yeah, we do. We're taking the day off. Oh wow! Friday because we have a uh, we we go see uh, musicals at our local theater and we have like season tickets and we just just so happened that the night of Oppenheimer and Barbie we have tickets to go so we're taking the day off on Friday and going great. to see both of them. It's gonna That's be awesome. yeah. But what I was gonna say is with Barbie, I feel like I've I've gone way off track and to the point where. I'm scared that I'm going to be so let down by. <laughs> mm. So I, I think, um, I think what you were saying is like, you know, there's going to come to a point where it's like, how can you one up anything? You know, Tom Cruise is flying helicopters and jumping, you know, doing halo. Yeah. It's like, what can he possibly do? That's going to be more insane the next time. And yeah. I just, I, I just think it's a formula that's not sustainable for the next thousand years, you know, or a hundred years or yeah. hundred years. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not opposed to, you know, popcorn movies, but I just, it's not my wheelhouse. Yeah. 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 There's that one scene on The Office where Michael is comparing Die Hard 1 to Die Hard 4. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard 1, he's just this, like, cop who gets his knuckles bruised. Yeah. And Die Hard 4, he's, what, flipping a Jump, helicopter yeah. into a... Jumping out of a car into a helicopter, I yeah. think, at one point. So What's yeah. Indiana Jones with the nuclear device in the refrigerator? Yeah. They yeah, just, yeah. Like, have to go so big on the crazy action. Yeah, like I'm, a, I, I enjoy the Fast and Furious um, series, and you know, what, they got to a point where they're in space, and it's just like, okay, this is you guys have jumped. <laughs> it's time to shut it down, you know. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, if you're look, if if you are desiring to take in a movie that is escapism entertainment, if that's kind of what you need at the time. Yeah, going to space with Paul Walker sounds great. You know, like that. Sure, why not? Yeah, but uh, I don't, it it's that all art doesn't need to be bigger to be better. Right. Um, and so something like slow cinema, which I know this is ninety four, but mm -hmm. but going back to something that isn't trying to one up anything before it and isn't trying to necessarily entertain <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, is is a nice kind of break in this this snowballing effect of bigger better faster all that yeah can we yeah. play a game now Very interesting let's play a game all right so i have a brief game prepared for us i think this is going to be fun we like to do games on the podcast so it's a royal week this game is called which is longer satan tango or blank okay <laughs> i have a series of nine different things here the the length of satan tango Seven hours and 12 minutes was the official runtime okay. at a pool. So, so that's what I'm going to be using for this game. I have a series of different things, and you're going to guess whether they take more time or less time than sitting down and watching Satan Tango. Okay. Uh, I will not be keeping score. Feel free to keep track of your own score if you would like. I always do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A flight from New York to Paris. Less. Longer or shorter than Satan Tango? Shorter. Shorter. Longer. Dang. By 13 minutes. Oh, well, seven it's hours the same. And 25 minutes. Okay. I did, I found a surprising number of things that are very close to the amount of time. Oh, so, look at you. Okay. 
All right. Uh, watching all three the original Star Wars movies, original trilogy Star Wars, Ooh. longer or shorter than Satan Tango? Shorter. Yeah, I'm going to go shorter. That is correct. Six hours and 20 minutes total. I was going to say, yeah, none of them are that long. Yeah, none of that. I don't like the the first one isn't even over two hours, I don't think. Okay, I have a dumb question. Yeah. When you say runtime, does that mean from like the cows, like opening scene through when credits are done? Yeah, yeah. So like you got through the grips and the best boys. And yeah. The, yeah. The very, okay, that's helpful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Okay, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Longer. This is the non-extended cups, by the way, the runtime that I pulled. I still think longer. Oof. I mean, the thing is, is the credits on those are so long that it's possible. That is true. I'm going to say shorter. All right, it is longer. Nine hours and 19 minutes. I was shocked that the er, theatrical releases of The Lord of the Rings are so long. Yeah. Remember those other people said about that? They're like all three hours. The total time? Yeah. Yeah. No, what was the total time on all three? Nine hours and 19 minutes. That's shocking. Yeah. They're very long. It flies when you're... Very long. I certainly did not realize how long they were. I think... Once friends of mine had a party where they like spent all day on Saturday and watched all three extended editions. I could not. I think I like came in for part of one movie, but I cannot. That's that's too much. It's too much Lord of the Rings for me. Um, okay. Driving from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Shorter. Uh I'm gonna say short. No, wait. I think it's longer than the movie. It is shorter. Six hours and two minutes, according to Google Maps. That's assuming no traffic. Right? Yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when I punched it in, there was traffic, but <laughs> since it was shorter, I didn't feel compelled to. Uh... That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Um. The. Okay. This is going to take some explanation, but this one is how much the average worker in the u.s works in a day now here's how i calculated this i found an annual number on wikipedia the number of hours that the average american works in a year i divided that number by the total work days in a year which excludes weekends and holidays any days off and that's how I arrived at this number. Okay, is the uh, is it the average American worker or the average American? The average American worker. So it doesn't include people who would have zero hours. That would bring the average down. Like I'm going to shorter. The movie is shorter. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I think I, the worker is shorter. The worker is yeah. shorter. Work, working shorter than. Yes. Seven hours. Okay, I'm going to go with you, Ben. Yeah, shorter. Okay, this one is so close that it's just (laughs) a push, but it's technically three minutes longer than seven hours and 15 minutes was what the calculation came out to. Isn't that crazy that it was so close? (laughs) All right. Uh, Season four of The Office. 
longer or shorter? Longer. I'll give you a hint. 18 episodes long, season four of The Office. Well, you've got season four, you've got multiple hour long episodes because you've got like broke and money, like those, mm-hmm. that stuff. It's true. So way longer. This does not include commercial time as well. That's helpful. Yes. But the friend time is either 22 or 44 minutes. Yeah. I'd say shorter. Uh, longer. Yeah, I think longer. Longer. Seven hours and 37 minutes to get through season four of The Office. Uh, that was after a writer's strike, too. So that, that first half of it was a... That's fair, yeah. Only okay. So, Ben, I don't know if you've seen The Bear, but we just watched season two of The Bear. So good. Um, It is ten episodes long. We watched it sort of like back and forth while we were watching Satan Tango, which was sort of funny. I think we would like we would get through yeah. our three chapters of Satan Tango and then watch like an episode of The Bear. Yeah. Or an episode of It's Always Sunny. Something to help get us like back into the speed of, of real yeah. life. So season two of The Bear, 10 episodes, longer or shorter than Satan Tango? Shorter. Mm, I'm going to say longer. All right. It is shorter. Yeah. Five hours and 57 minutes. Because they were almost all 30-minute episodes, right? Yeah, there were several 30-minute episodes. And then you've got that one long one with oh, the whole Jamie family. Have you watched The Bear? I've started it. I'm like three episodes into season one. I don't watch a lot of TV, so... Okay. Yeah. It's so very good. Season one, I don't know if you've ever worked in a restaurant, Ben, but it was, it's was it been triggering. <laughs> the I, most triggering for me was when they did a monologue about the 2003 NLCS that the Cubs lost in very dramatic fashion. <laughs> I was 11 years old when that happened, watching it live. You cannot do a monologue. It's, that was so much more stressful to me than any of the restaurant stuff. You've never worked in a restaurant, but Oof. I don't want to tell you your trauma isn't trauma. Um. <laughs> I can, I, well, I, as as a fan of a lot of teams that have never won in my lifetime, I can tell you that that Cubs game was probably very, very traumatic. It was. It was very <laughs> traumatic. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So... This next one also will take some explanation, but the amount of time that it takes for paint to dry. We're doing latex paint. This is according to Glidden, and it's the amount of time that they suggest before you can safely recoat. Is this interior paint or exterior paint? Interior paint. Interesting. Latex is there, paint. Is there a primer built in? I don't know. Just asking you. Paint scientist. So I would give you my answer of yeah. I if it's if it's dry, I have a touch on paint in that bad boy. But I know that uh, Ben, I used to work in adhesives. I oh. your, yeah, I used to sell glue, just just mm-hmm. just slinging glue all over the place, and the amount of like cure times are like stupid longer than you think they should be but it's like there's all these like built-ins for um just cya kind of stuff so i think Lynn would say no no eight hours between coats okay yeah Yeah. i i think it's longer Glidden says you can safely recoat after four hours. Ah, yeah. Okay. Safely recoat after four hours. They say it's dry to the touch after one hour. Which is when I would start yeah. repainting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, Satan Tango officially, according to Glidden, longer than watching paint dry. <laughs> 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 
All right. You did that just for the joke. <laughs> I, mean, I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'm wearing this shirt today. I didn't plan this, but uh, in 2016, I ran a half Iron Man. Brian's half Iron Man time <laughs> longer or shorter than let's, Satan's. Let's let's on Brian. So a half Iron Man <laughs> is how many miles of swimming? Oh, it's only like two miles of swimming. Okay, two miles of swimming, five. fifty-six yeah. miles of biking, and then a half marathon of running, which yeah. is thirteen point one miles. Thirteen point three, whatever. Incredibly impressive feat. I actually know your your finish time. Yeah. So because I sat there in a hammock and read Harry Potter while I waited okay. for you there. <laughs> well, we'll let Ben guess. Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna hurt my feelings if you say longer, Ben. <laughs> Just say shorter. Okay. It was longer. It was longer. But he was yeah. like seven forty-five. There were people, Ben, who finished a half Ironman in four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There are people who like, well, they'll go around and just like tour the world doing Ironman and half Ironman. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah, that, that, that world is not. But yeah. he had a pretty nasty fall off his bike like a week before the race, and so. Mm-hmm. The fact that you finished it all is incredibly impressive. You were like limping up to a day before the race. That's true. That's true. Man. Never okay. been. I've got one last one here, oh, yes. and then we'll get back to the movie. Okay. This has been a fun diversion, though. I love it. Um, so this movie is based on a book. Using average American read times, does it take longer to read the book Satan Tango or watch the movie Satan Tango? <laughs> I'm going to say read the book. It's going to take longer to read the book? Yeah. Mm. I'm going to say shorter. Reading at 250 words per minute, which is average American, apparently, four hours and 48 minutes to read the book. But the book is in Hungarian, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, it would take you longer (laughs) to read it, for sure. But, like, shouldn't you look at the Hungarian average words per minute? That's a good point. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I I just typed it into satan tango reading length and there was a site that you can like type in your words per minute and calculate the length and it defaulted to 250 pages is the book i don't know i don't know again i don't know how you i mean i feel like that's actually a cool website Yeah. yeah it was neat it was neat i i tried a couple other books too and like wuthering heights was like five hours 30 minutes something like that so yeah i think the sort of typical novel length is somewhere around there, but novels obviously vary a lot in their length. Oh. Hmm. Does it calculate in the time that you fall asleep in the middle of a sentence? <laughs> That's fair. Interesting. It doesn't have, I'm looking at a website for average words per minute of other languages, and it doesn't have any Hungarian on here. Oh, my. But uh you know other european countries yeah are all around 250 so okay Okay. why is slovenian so my calculation (laughs) was uh yes my calculation was well thought out and correct i'm sorry um he did this this prepped for this in secret so i couldn't hack away the logic until just now i did prep for it in secret yeah uh ben thank you for humoring us with with our little game here i was very bad at that game (laughs) you did great no worries yeah, we just need a little game to get this out of the bleakness of this movie. But exactly. now let's dive right back into the bleakness. Let's okay. I've got a rant uh, oh, here. So got the first draft of this. Rant. Yeah, we got the first draft of this rant. So in movies, when 
a character is looking through binoculars. They do this thing where they like show you a binocular shape on the screen. And it really bothers me because that is not the experience that you have looking through binoculars. When you look through binoculars, it's just one circle. But in the movies, it's like two circles next to each other with like a little, it's like a little Venn diagram thing. And it really bothers me for whatever reason, because that's not how it actually looks. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not really sure why they do that, because like you said, it's not accurate. So I don't know. It doesn't make I think it- they just started doing it. And then everyone sort of, it's sort of like you can't catch a cold by going into the cold, but everyone just sort of says, oh, don't go out. You'll catch a cold. Right. Like, cold is a virus that has nothing to do with temperature other than being also called cold that's true but it's well i think like normally when you see someone looking through binoculars you get their view through the binoculars and then you also see them holding binoculars but Mm -hmm. you don't get that in this movie so like how would you know that they're looking through binoculars this is true it's it is it is bizarre but also they don't explain a lot of other things in the movie so Mm -hmm. i don't know why they need to be so like Mm -hmm. clear about that yeah I really like speaking of the binoculars. So that's the doctor's like looking through his window. I really love the way that this movie uses windows and doorways to provide depth. I don't know if they were using deep focus cameras. I would assume so because of the amount of depth in the shots. But we saw that in Rules of the Game earlier on the list where deep focus is used sort of to great effect where you've got things going on in the foreground and the background you know you've got a fa- really famous shot in citizen kane that uses deep focus where there are like two adults talking in the foreground and then a window and then he's playing with his sled in the background uh outside mm-hmm. and so yeah i thought it was really well done and showed like an understanding of visual language that I thought was excellent just the the deep shot and you get these deep shots down the bar as well with lots of people and lots of things going on cameras moving all over the place it's really especially in a movie this long to have that much hair go into each shot is really impressive yeah my actually my favorite shot of the movie is actually near the end where they when they leave that second building and they just focus on those like three arch shaped windows Mm. so you see there's like this the stairs going down so there's light coming in from different different um areas and it's that's pretty amazing my favorite shot of the movie is the piggy (laughs) it's a really cute pig with the floppy ears and you just get to watch it go be a pig lots of little animals you've got the cows at the very beginning so loved those uh love that one the cat unfortunately don't like that one uh the horses you get this like long shot of horses like coming out of a stable and running around like this fountain thing that was really neat yeah that's a good shot i think he's he's doing something thematically with all of the animals of like i don't know how to say this in a like non-cheesy way because i don't think the movie does it cheesily but like humans are just like animals we're all wandering aimlessly on the earth sort of thing you know i get that yeah 
And also the animals have to plot and plot and plot. <laughs> so the drunk guy talking about plotting. I don't know what plotting this is means. During the, like, plotting. <laughs> this is right before they all start dancing in the bar. Plotting is like real heavy footsteps walking. Okay, I yeah. guess that. Yeah. Because the mud is so wet because mm -hmm. it's the rainy season and they have yeah. to trudge along. Okay. Yeah. And Iramias and Petrina and the girls all jumped up like grasshopper. He just keeps saying the same things over and over again. Oh, and it's somehow really funny. Uh, it's like weird and then annoying and then funny like as he just keeps going you like yeah experience all these different stages of response to him because you know if you've been around someone who's that drunk it's very accurate and they actually all got really drunk to film the dance scene so ben i'll have to let you know at the beginning of this guy's speech brian goes man i hope i give speeches like him when i'm drunk <laughs> and then by the end of it he was like just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I definitely experienced that wave of emotions too because for the mo the majority of it, I was just annoyed. And then after it kept going, I started laughing because I was just like, this is yeah. like out of control at this point. And they're that all just letting I him do it. Yeah. Say it again. I said, they're all just letting him do it. Like no one's saying like, bro, or like trying to change the subject. They're just like, he's just background noise to them, which makes me think because there's nothing to do in this town, they probably do this every night. And he probably goes on a drunken rant every night. And he's, they just let him do it. Because what else is he going to do? I love it. Yeah. Probably just do it. Yeah. And then they're all dancing. And Mr. Schmidt, for like a solid 10 minutes, just has like a roll of cheese bread that he's balancing on the top of his head like walking around the bar that's what i that's what i want to be like when i'm drunk i don't want to be the plotting guy i want to be mr schmidt with the cheesy bread on my head i don't know if you want to be cuckolded though his mr no. schmidt is okay so she's with futaki and mr schmidt craner comes and gropes her at one point she sleeps with irmias the superintendent's all about her she's a lady about town i mean her mm. husband's kind of a jerk so whatever but yeah <laughs> <laughs> very mean go you know it's the ground but i don't know how to feel about her yeah i think you know she's just again we see this theme of like survival i think she's yeah. just doing what she's got to do to secure i mean this is clearly a very patriarchal society where she doesn't have much power aside from who her you know who she's connected to Mm -hmm. either by marriage or by sex so i don't know i think she's just trying to get by mm -hmm. and her husband's a jerk so like i don't know i don't think she has much loyalty towards him mm -hmm. this is actually the least favorite part of the movie is the plotting and the dancing i could well the cat is also yeah the cat is rough but that's okay. yeah yeah i didn't find this as and that enjoyable uh, when did yeah. this movie is set? Did I miss that part? This is set, I think, just after World War II, pretty shortly after. Okay. Because the novel came out in 85, but... Yeah. Um... So this, this movie did remind me a bit of... Um, one of my favorite novels in college was The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Mm -hmm. it's a, a southern gothic novel but it does a similar thing where there are four central characters in part of the lonely hunter and you get different chapters from different perspectives and this felt 
somewhat similar to me where especially for the first half of the movie often in a new chapter you'll get a new perspective you'll be following the doctor around or you'll be following Estica around so I do want to talk a bit about some of these characters that it focuses in on we've talked a little bit about most of the villagers so Irameus what what is your guys take on Irameus he's interesting he gets like two or three chapters dedicated to him he's an interesting guy i'm not really sure like i think he's just a con artist but yeah he's charming and believable and seems to have to be the most put together of everybody so i think that's why they tend to just like flock to him but mm-hmm. yeah he's I think probably- the, the speech at the funeral really made me think like oh okay this i can see why everyone's like magnetically drawn to this dude yeah yeah it's the hat mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really powerful command it's hat. a really powerful hat i think even just like the first scene you get learning about Irmias, like he and Pet- petrina petrina are you know at the municipal building waiting for their meeting and Irmias just kind of like has these just like very like powerful things to say about the clocks or whatever and even then Petrinus is like dude like you can tell that Petrinus is so loyal to him because he's captivated by this guy's you know ability to speak so well and he just he's very yeah it's very cult-like he's you can through kind of depressing manipulation um is able to keep the people kind of enslaved towards his magnetic personality in a way that is scary. Every time I come across a character like that, I'm like, oh, I don't want you to exist. Like you're you're too powerful. Yeah. Yeah, he could definitely be a cult leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He sort he ends up taking yeah. everyone's money. The ending is really interesting. I it felt a little unresolved to me. when we ended the movie and then I had to do a little bit of research and I think I got the gist of it but it feels like still like the report he gives the authorities on the villagers it does seem like the point is supposed to be like this is a devastating betrayal and he's taken all of their money and left and not gonna see them again I think that's the conclusion we're supposed to draw it also seemed possible to me while we were watching that he's trying to mislead the authorities and he still is going to try to reunite these people. But I think... I think it's that. Yeah. I really do. I mean, maybe I just want him to be a good guy and I don't want these people to get taken for schmucks. But it seems like... I think he believes that he has a plan. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be that mean in his report, though. Like, he uses really like acid language talking about how awful these people are yeah i i do not think that he has any intentions of going through with any of it i think he's just going to take the money and oh come on that's a bummer so we need to talk about sdk and to talk about sdk we need to talk about the poor kitty cat so i did see in my research on this movie Bellatar talking about like 
They had a veterinarian on on set. They made it more upsetting in post production by like the the girl they they practiced like the girl would just like play with the cat during filming breaks and so they were used to sort of like roughhousing and they added in sound effects of the cat because the cat was like apparently completely calm while she was roughhousing but uh and wasn't making any noises hmm. um and so according to Bellatar there was no animal abuse going on here so that he didn't he like was like there was a vet on set at all times watching this cat right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm about to call peter i'm not saying uh, i don't know if i believe that or not yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so i am not one we get into this argument or discussion on in the film club at least twice since i've been in it and I'm not really one that cares too much about animal abuse in movies, but this one really bothered me because it's so long and drawn out. And it's just like, you know, where she like looks at it, she's like, I can do whatever I want to you. And it's just like, oh, it's so, yeah. It's really just, it's, and I'm a big horror guy. This is like top tier disturbing. Yeah. Well, I think about the animal abuse, and I don't know how old this actress was, but. I worry for her mental state just to be to, yeah. to be asked to do this. You know, no matter how committed of an actress she thinks she is, that sticks with you. Like that type of even feigned torture. Um, yeah. Hope she's okay. Yeah. She's up to. Let's rough. figure it out. Very disturbing scene. Mm-hmm. And and you're meant it's it's meant to be disturbing. And then she does. Why do you think she kills herself at the end of her? Sort of segment. No, you mentioned not really knowing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. There, I'm trying to think of what the narrator was saying during her, like as she was dying. It felt almost like she was just resigned to that everything was predestined or something. Yeah. Um, There's the part where she buries money in the ground with her brother to plant a quote unquote money tree. Yeah, her brother digs it up without her and so she's starting to see some of the oppression that the rest of the villagers have experienced over their life and I think she just pieces out decides it's not for her yeah it's just really sad yeah almost made me sad for her but then also she tortured and murdered yeah and and the cat thing is very much uh she feels powerless and so this is the thing that she can have power over. Mess up. Right. Right. It's the one thing that she can control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think the last big character that we need to talk through a little bit is the doctor. So doctor spends all day drinking his fruit brandy, just watching the rest of the villagers and taking notes on what's happening. It's sort of like the doctor is supposed to be, he's almost our window in the movie, even though we don't meet him until I think it's uh, uh, the third third chapter that we see the doctor. But he's like us. He's observing. He's noting what's happening. He's just watching everyone else. He's very rarely participating as an actor he's not moving the plot along 
I found the doctor sequences really compelling. Uh, both the third chapter and the twelfth chapter. He gets the very final chapter as well. That was so sad. I don't yeah. know. That he's just like so just he's so confined to his house just drinking himself to death you know keeping logs on the people that he can see out of his window at one point you see him give himself some sort of injection i don't know what it is i assumed insulin but i don't know why um and just that what was it the croners who were originally take kind of helping take care of him like making sure he had food and and brandy or whatever um and then his just his anger that he's feeling like re- that they've abandoned him. I don't know. Felt very sad to me. Yeah, it's definitely pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. Or when he runs into the prostitutes and you know, yeah, they offer him a free go or whatever, and he's can't yeah. do that. And as he's leaving, they're like, he doesn't have long for this world. Like he's not. Well- the whole point of that scene because did he literally just go there to get a cigarette i think to warm up yeah i'll get a cigarette yeah get a little break probably also just interact with people because he really wasn't he was a brick a recluse so he pretty much just was like Mm -hmm. by himself all the time yeah and i think just like the interaction with the prostitutes just gave another kind of um just a picture into the desolation of what was going on there. Like you can kind of see how these girls were just like bored and waiting for what was next. They kept talking about waiting for someone to come back. So like, they're just another insight into just the mundanity of life. Mm-hmm. At this point. I actually think that that conversation, oddly enough, might be like the most, um, best explanation of what is going on with everybody because you know it kind of shows the state of the economy right like if they don't have money there's probably not very much money going around you know what i mean yeah oldest profession yeah Mm -hmm. kind of like okay you know they're like nobody comes by nobody's nobody has any money and so it's just like i think he's you know, fairly early on, just kind of, that's like how, that's like his exposition into like, mm-hmm. not doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Man. And then you get the sequence at the end um, where he goes to the church. So he gets back from the hospital. He basically doesn't know that all of the villagers have peace out. Um, but then he hears this bell ringing from the church and he knows that the bell tower is not working at the church. And so then he goes and there's this madman ringing a bell and shouting that the Turks are coming. And then he goes back to his house and boards up his window. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. Yeah. That scene was pretty haunting. It is. Yeah. It's really striking the way it's shot. And I think this might be the best use of like the spending a long time walking because it just builds the mystery of like what's going on with this bell and the the he's confused about what's happened 
and he goes to finds out and finds only deeper confusion. Like he finds the answer to his question, but it opens up a hundred more questions. Right. It's just like, and then he's just like, nope, I'm done. I'm not looking out my window anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The world out there has nothing for me. I'll, and I've got the fresh bottle of brandy. So, yeah. I just, I, I think after there was a long time because you said chapter three was a doctor's first chapter. Yeah. And yeah. we don't see him again until chapter 12 to the point where we had both been like, oh, how it's him. Yeah, yeah. he's back home <laughs> yeah um they kept calling it brandy but it's like looked like vodka or like yeah your water but they kept saying brandy um i looked at they drank it's called cherry palinka okay hmm. i think the bartender mentions it's the yeah i remember that at one point he's like you know do you want some cherry palinka um, which is, I looked, when I looked it up, it's extremely high proof. It's basically like a hundred percent alcohol. Oh, goodness. It's a sour cherry brand. He's drinking so much of that too. But yeah. he waters it down. So he's staying hydrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best to take, oh, you drink Polinka. Best to take it slow. Sip by sip. <laughs> yeah. And that one guy is just, I mean, drinking huge amounts very quickly yeah i mean this says the alcohol content between 37 and 86 percent so that's kind of all over the place yeah, but you know good. this doctor's getting the high proof yeah he's like getting said. the he's getting the the homemade palinka yeah yeah, yeah. getting his corn from a jar all that okay. uh, uh before we wrap up here i need to tell my uh i don't think i've told this on the podcast my homemade whiskey story <laughs> oh gosh yeah so hannah very nice gift i like whiskey she bought me this make it at home whiskey which yes yes it's not real whiskey yeah yeah i don't want to hear it but (laughs) But you like put wood chips in it and Mm -hmm. it makes whiskey and it's uh supposedly pretty good i found out that there is a large difference between grain alcohol and grain-based alcohol. (laughs) This called for grain-based alcohol, which apparently you can get like unaged whiskeys. That'd be like a grain-based alcohol. Instead, I got grain alcohol. You should have put some Everclear. Mm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It did not, it it tasted like hand sanitizer when I when I took that, it was not. We go burn some yeah. warts off or something. So, yeah. Failed, failed attempt at the make your own whiskey kit. But you know what? I bet kit. that this doctor would still drink it. Maybe I could make my own cherry palinka. We will try that next. Why don't we just buy some? <laughs> Making alcohol stresses me out. Yeah. Yeah. Poison. Yeah. I. Yeah. It's. I don't. Fermentation is just. It's. It's a scary thing. <laughs> it's like i like kombucha i'm never gonna make my own i'm not gonna do That's that right. i'm sure i could do it and it'd be fine but what if it's not? i had a roommate who made his own kombucha it was the grossest thing in the world like a scoby yeah like yeah oh. also yeah it's have... like big vats and just be like scobies out on the kitchen counter oh, disgusting yeah i feel like that's the kind of thing you need a dedicated space for it that's not a common area no like, i have a friend who like had a dugout dirt basement that she would make her own kombucha in. yeah that's, like, that's good yeah. that's fine yeah. yeah don't bother your roommate and downstairs mm-hmm. do it in the garage or the murder dungeon mm. our house has like 
Okay. It has a garage. And then behind the garage is like an unfinished, like true basement where like water heaters and stuff are, but, um, it's dirt floor, dirt walls. Like, so I go in with a real term, like, okay, so this is the murder dungeon slash like Christmas tree storage area. (laughs) And that's where we just like store all my spare lumber and, you know, spare lumber. What are you doing with lumber? Do various home projects like i built a deck i'm working on the kids playhouse right now you know that's cool. it all still stands but i can't ever throw away scrap lumber even if it's like a six inch piece i'm like i could use that somewhere yeah so i just have piles of it in the murder dungeon mm. um anyway any final thoughts on this movie before we uh do our wrap-up stuff no um <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm thankful that this movie exists. I think it's really beautiful art. I'm mm-hmm. never going to watch it again. I'm feeling I'm feeling good about our progress through the list, especially now that we've seen one of the like really long ones that would be a barrier to us actually finishing this project. Well, it here's feels the good. funny thing is, feels good. I didn't know that this movie was this long until you put it on the schedule. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I thought Showa was a long one. He goes, Showa is one of the long ones. So <laughs> how many long ones are there? I think there's nothing longer than, there's another one that's like four hours and 30 minutes. Okay, that's it's like cool. the History of Cinema, directed by Jean-Luc Godard. Oh, fun. Okay. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's on the list and should be interesting. Have you seen that? And then. I have not. Nothing else is longer than four hours. Okay, yeah. totally fine. Totally fine. Though I think is towards the end. So after watching this and kind of looking up some other lawn movies, mm-hmm. uh, I I came across a documentary called Logistics. It's a Norwegian documentary, and it basically starts from uh, something being manufactured through the entire manufacturing process, the shipping process, all of that. Mm-hmm. The documentary is eight hundred and fifty-seven hours yeah wow oh i am trying to find this documentary and i decided that if i can find it i will buy it if i have to that i'm going to for one of my goals for next year is to try and complete it in one year so wow that's 35 days that is crazy titanic came out on vhs and everyone was like two vhs tapes yeah that's how i feel right now yeah I think um, I was trying to do the calculation. I think I would have to watch two, a little over two hours a day of the of this documentary to complete it in one year. And it's in Finnish, I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the language. I don't think there's a lot of dialogue in it at all. You're just right. watching real time manufacturing, but that means you're doing a lot of just watching like the pallet on the floor waiting to be loaded in the truck for a long weekend and so you could just be like you could do other things in the background you can have a split screen situation like watch like (laughs) if i watch it i'm gonna watch the whole thing picture in picture little uh (laughs) you could live stream yourself watching it so that's what i was looking on reddit and somebody was like you should you should uh you should do this and and record yourself watching it and like somehow try and find a way to like get it out there to the map. Create your own 850 hour documentary of yourself watching a documentary. Yeah. Pretty meta. I think that might be even too meta for Reddit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other long movies. So they're, 
There are two other quite long movies on the Sight and Sound 250. One of them is Twin Peaks, The Return. Which Which is a series. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a a TV show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been a lot of argument about that. Some people have it listed as a film. Some people have it listed as a film no desire to get into that argument very little desire to share my thoughts other than that david lynch thinks it's a film and sure if he says it's a film i think if the director says it's a film then we can call it a film yeah i mean the director ultimately yeah so i'm gonna go with that yeah and then you've got out one as well which is 743 minutes French New Wave film in 1971. I have seen out one. Well, then it's, uh, it's pretty good. I did skip through parts of this because they have like 30 minute long theater rehearsal scenes that is just like, okay, this is, I, I get, get the it. Gist. Yeah, How I long get is it. that one? 743 minutes. It's like 12 hours and something, but it's divided into like basically eight. 90 minute chapters right have you guys seen the seven up series the documentary yeah. series? it's incredible yeah. um it the so the documentarian he follows a group of children from england and every seven years he does an update on them hmm. okay so it's kind it, of like boyhood but you know not uh i was not a fan of boyhood not a fan? Oh, I like Boyhood. Okay, when did this movie come out, or this series come out? I think in the 60s. Okay. 7 yeah. Up, TV movie? Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Information point in it. Okay. How fun. Yeah. It's One really- more uh, long movie that I'll shout out, uh, Napoleon, directed by Abel Gantz. I watched that for the first time this week um because i'm watching a bunch of movies from 1927 five and a half hours excellent narrative feature from 1927 very good he's just this crazy crazy director he shot the last 20 minutes using this like three camera setup so that you've got like three panels next to each other and so it's meant to be shown in a theater where they have to like put in extra screens so that you can see the last 20 minutes on three screens and it's the the three scene the three uh screen stuff is really incredible like he uses it really well to show like this big Hmm. army moving around and there's this one shot of like this bird flying across all three screens it's really really cool the way it's done but um yeah he's he's an insane person basically how did you have time to watch that and this this week i'm that's i'm so uh how do you sweetie how do you have time for that by shirking my work responsibilities and having insomnia (laughs) and having yeah cripple it debilitating insomnia oh okay you don't sleep very well yeah yeah (laughs) no it's not that bad it's not that bad yeah uh he also his work like there are are tasks he can do where he can also watch a movie in the background yeah yeah kind of cool yeah Yeah. it's a lot of like spreadsheet stuff yeah once you get in the zone you can yeah then bang it out 
Nice. Uh, okay, it's time for our 2001 A Space Odyssey fact today. Yeah, you know, you should ask our guests to come with a fact so you don't have to do all of them. Yeah, I want to, like, reduce the prep work. I'm sure you would have been up for it, Ben, but I, I well, try not to. Well, off the top of your head, do you have any fun fast facts about 2001 mm-hmm. Space Odyssey? No, oh, but you definitely should watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will. I'll, I'll share we'll my facts. So... Okay, what's your facts? There was a sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey. 2002. It's called 2010. Neither Kubrick nor the author, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, seem to have been involved in this. Uh, I can't see that. Oh, no, you can see it. Yeah. So the cast of this movie, Roy Schneider of All That Jazz fame, John Lithgow, Helen Mirren, Bob Balladan, who looks familiar. He was in... um, guy who's in all the Wes Anderson movies oh yeah wasn't he also um Woody Allen founders of the third kind um who was in 80 for Brady apparently he played um Phoebe's dad on Friends that's what I know him from <laughs> it's always yeah. Friends that's always waiting for Guffman I love that movie best in show man okay so Ben <laughs> uh tell us about this podcast that you're starting up so we're going to be doing, we had an idea, well, I guess I had an idea, um, where I was watching something on Tubi, and if you don't stop the movie, it will autoplay to another movie that's like a similar type Oh, of neat. So, um, I was like, oh, that'd be a cool idea for a podcast. So, you pick a movie, and then you have to review whatever Tubi's algorithm just hands you. <laughs> we're going to go in blind. We have no idea what we're going to be recording. So we're going to be probably doing some very interesting B-movies, exploitation movies, cult yeah. movies. Had you, like, heard of any, like, when this happens to you and Tubi gives you an, a recommendation, are there ones that you've heard of? Or is it like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the weirder the movie that you pick, definitely the more strange things are going to come up. So, yeah. Yeah. So I was watching this movie called Punk Rock from the 70s, and it was a sexploitation movie. I think that it was, I want to say it was one of the first um, movies that had like adult film stars in it. Okay. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's. It was rated like X or NC-17. I think back then it was X. And so um, it, the 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 movie that came up afterwards was called Linda Lovelace for President. And it was one of the wackiest movies. I've- <laughs> it, was just, it, was, it was like Pink Panther type of humor like that slapstick you know just wacky stuff is happening but anyways i was like oh this would be kind of cool to just like you know go in blind and just let the algorithm you know dictate dictate the uh the podcast so that's what we're gonna do i wonder how their algorithm works that like the more kooky b-list suggested films that you actually watch to the end if they're just gonna like snowball along themselves and just give you weirder and weirder stuff Uh, possible so we so me and uh me and the other guy that we're gonna be doing this with um we both tested it to see so we watched a movie we both got the same movie okay so i don't think that 
it's random. I think that it's it is based on what you're watching. Sure. Um, yeah. We'll find out. It might be random. So maybe yeah. we just both got. Yeah. So the podcast has not launched yet. How can people follow you to hear where to find this podcast when it launches? Um, I'm on Twitter. It's Ben Sower. It's B-E-N-S-O-W-E-R. So Perfect. yeah, you're a great Twitter follow as well. I would recommend. Thank you. Checking it out. I'm not on Twitter, but I imagine you would understand. I know. Why aren't you on Twitter? You should be. I know. I... I just save all my poopy comments for the podcast. She gets all her Twitter from Instagram. I do. Yeah, I'm, everything, I'm, I'm everything a comes over to Instagram. So I get my tweets, really I get my TikToks, yeah. I get my threads, whatever that mm-hmm. nonsense is. They all just come to Instagram and I get to see them in between like... I'll also bookmark tweets that I think she would be interested in and show her them. So I'm yeah. enabling her to not be on Twitter. As well. I technically have a Twitter. One of my girlfriends made it for me in college, and I it's still active. I found it. I had wow. some tweets. I needed to just delete it and start over if I do a new one. Yeah. I just, you know, I guess I could have a Twitter. Yeah. Nah, I'm not gonna do it. I got too much going on. <laughs> That's awesome. Twitter. So, what is our next movie? Yes. Huh? Okay. So next week we're going to ooh, we're going to be watching a movie called In the Mood for Love. Mm. Um, currently streaming on Criterion Channel. I know nothing about this movie. Is it American? It is not. It's Hong Kong, directed okay. by Wong Kar Wai. Um, I've seen this movie. I was very distracted while I was watching it, so I'm excited to revisit. Uh, so fun. When did it, what era? It's uh, released in 2000, so oh. a little more recent. Okay. This it ranks very high on the list. It's number five on the list, I believe very very high i'm already intrigued by the title it's really good i have a feeling it's going to be the opposite incredible it's good yay it's one of my favorite probably one of my favorite movies um cinematography it's 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 for me it's probably in the top 10 of all time it's just one of the most gorgeous movies to watch even if you don't like the story like just watching it is it's gorgeous yeah i'm so excited okay yeah so yeah you can find this film on the criterion channel um and that's all we got yeah thanks so much for coming on ben it was great to chat with you happy to have you appreciate the insight thanks for getting this movie over with (laughs) all right yeah (laughs) Longest movie, well, the second longest movie on the list. Yeah. yeah. Watch Showa with us. <laughs> no, I'm good on that one. Thank I you. got a guy on Twitter who's really into Showa. I've never seen it, but yeah. you know? my best I Love it. Do it. All right. Well, Let's yeah. have a good day. Yeah. Thanks so much. We'll we'll soon, I'm sure. All right. Yeah.